Hello and welcome once again to another episode of the Gut Wrench Podcast. My name is Mocha. I am the host of the show and as many of you know, as most of you know, as all of you know, I'm late for this uh, podcast, episode 116 if I remember correctly. So, <clears throat> with that in mind, there are a few reasons why this episode was late this week. Usually, I don't do these on my computer, but as a matter of fact, this one is being done on my computer. Why is that important? Well, it's relevant because now I have to pay a lump sum amount because of reasons. I somehow damaged, beyond repair, the headphones that I used to use to do this podcast with. That sucks ass. But let me tell you what else sucks ass. Kevin Owens. <laughs> Am I right? See, I keep making the same jokes and they're, they're not catching up to me either. <clears throat> One day this guy came out of my basement and I was like, Hey dude, what are you doing in my basement? You know, and then I was, he was like, I was in Steven Seagal's basement. And then I was like, yeah, that makes sense. But I'm not Steven Seagal. And then he said, shut your mouth, you damn Canadian. Uh, I was just so confused. I'm not even Canadian. <clears throat> and this week we will be looking at the Ring of Honor episode of 1-11-2024. <clears throat> this was extremely um, cumbersome to get through because it was three hours long 2 hours 55 minutes and like 37 milliseconds or 27 milliseconds um yeah it was something to watch and it took me 3 days because of course my work schedule is all over the place and some of the time I would come home and then I would say, oh yes, I should definitely get started on my podcast. Or for that matter, I should definitely finish my podcast and record it. You want to know what would happen though? I'm just going to let you guys know what would happen. Um, so, most of the time, most of the time, I would um, say that and then get started or start to get closer and closer to getting finished, realizing that I have to be up at 6 o'clock in the morning, and then be like, oh, okay, well then I guess I'll get the last four hours of sleep that I need. But, and then after that, you know, get the last four hours of sleep, go into work, and then come back and then finish taking notes, and it would take me all night from, you know, going in that morning and then finishing up my shift and then after I got home the, you know the last thing that I wanted to do was more work and not that this podcast feels like that it's more work well not that I'm complaining to all of you who just came here for some for some good wrestling so um <clears throat> yeah I just had a little bit of troublesome getting this episode done because of life Okay, so Ian Rick Ian Riccaboni and Caprice Coleman on commentary for that night as John Cruz versus uh Zack Knight. 
<clears throat> so Zack Knight is the um, brother of. You seen the movie Fighting with My Family, which was um, based on a true story. It was Soraya's brother. Which, from the previews that I've seen, it looks as though that there is some animosity, or there was, rather, some animosity between the two of them, simply because... Simply because, um... Soraya got to live her dream, she got to make the cut and go to WWE, because their tryouts, from what I've seen... They, they took you, like, in the movie, they took you, like, into this, um, big, open, like, beach-looking place, and then they would, like, put you through a certain amount of tests, and then, you know, if it's any indication on how the WWE's, um, tryouts really are, then, um, you know, it's nerve-wracking, to say the least, because I'm sure that it's like a four- or five-day experiment, and then they've got names on a clipboard, and then they're just rating you one out of ten, and, you know, I guess Zach, in this case, he didn't make the cut uh, to WWE, but as we all know, Soraya used to work for WWE under the moniker Paige, and when working as Paige, she had some of her best work. A lot of people would say that. Some of her best uh, characteristics came out whenever she was Paige. And that's how I discovered her too, was as Paige. And I just fell in love with her almost instantly. It was almost direct chemistry. And especially her chemistry with like AJ Lee was really, really good. It was fun to watch, which is the definition of entertaining. It was um, absolutely just... Everything about it was just almost like both ladies were on top of their game. And I love the whole frenemies storyline that they did wherever they were. Um, they were friends, but then they were like enemies and trying to get inside each other's head. Like AJ uh, picking up Paige and then afterwards uh, raising her hand after... Uh, AJ lost her title, I think it was, and then shaking her hand in the middle of the ring, coming out during her matches, and skipping around the wrestling ring, just prancing, almost like she's in a, a field of flowers of some sort, and then just leaving, just providing the extra distraction, you know, the extra cherry on top that AJ Lee would provide uh, distracting, getting distracted from her match and then losing to someone like Alicia Fox or Natalia, um, and then Paige would have to, you know, pick up the pieces from there after losing to Natalia or Alicia Fox or Summer Rae or Eva Marie. <clears throat> um, and then after losing the following three days would go by and then she would come out on SmackDown, she would read AJ a poem, um, and then AJ would get distracted and AJ would lose her championship or she would lose her match, not even her championship because at times the, the title played hot potato, you know, and I'm talking about this even though it's, it's kind of not relevant, it's relevant to what I was talking about earlier, the, um, 
chemistry between AJ Lee and Paige, the frenemies storyline that I just got done mentioning. And if you haven't taken the time to maybe uh, read up on that, or for that matter, uh, watch some clips from the frenemies storyline that AJ Lee and Paige did, my God, are you missing out? And for that matter, maybe I'm such a bad host that I haven't yet introduced you to AJ Lee and Paige. Maybe it's not the right time. <clears throat> anyway, Ring of Honor from 1-11-2024 as Zack Knight takes on John Cruz. And this was our opening contest. It's not overly obvious who's winning. Uh, this one, but Zack Knight is undefeated. Uh, 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 and commentary team brings up the, uh, said the interesting note that Zack Knight's, Zack Knight is the brother of Soraya, the former AEW, um, woman's champion. Which I hope that she wins it again, because her as champion was, I wouldn't say that it elevated the, um, women's division in AEW. But seeing Soraya as champion after everything that she's been through, after having her broken neck, after being told that she'll never wrestle again, and for that matter, you know, like her mom was a wrestler. You don't tell someone that they're never going to do that thing that they love again. My mom told me that. My mom told me that she didn't want me to wrestle. She would rather me go, and these aren't her exact words, but I'm paraphrasing. See, this is the way that I look at things. She would rather me go join the army and get blown up. <clears throat> Fighting for a country that doesn't care for me. Rather than try my hand, try my passion. My ultimate goal in life was always to be a professional wrestler. Anyway, enough about my shortcomings. I was looking for a word there and I couldn't find it. Zack throws Cruz halfway across the ring and takes control early on in this contest. Then he does a scoop slam on Cruz following it, a uh, stalling suplex, the crowd chanting one more time. Zack tries for another suplex, but Cruz gets the gets to the corner and escapes. Uh, Zack. John Cruz trying to chop Zack, but a funny moment when Zack doesn't budge, and Cruz feels like his hand or forearm breaks, because whenever you're going in for that, that chop, right? You want to go in, and you just want to... I'll try to simulate a chop for you guys, right? Most of you who are wrestling fans probably know the impact of a of a chop whenever you're going for one. You just got to hit them somewhere right in their solar plexus, and whenever you're doing that, you just want to make almost like the fire coming off of your hand come straight off of their solar plexus. That's what Zack felt. Almost like a brick wall. 
that's what um, John felt, rather. John Cruz felt almost like a brick wall just stumping his hand right at the end there. He got caught at the finish line there. <clears throat> then, then, drop, then Zach drops him like... And the six-foot Zach Knight uh, gets a Rana on Cruz and drops him and turning him inside out. <clears throat> of course, a Rana would be a tough move for someone that big to do. Or at least you would imagine that it would be a tough move for someone his size, Zach Knight's size, to do. I would imagine that Zach Knight might... um. Not that I'm a football fan, and I, quite frankly, I hate football, but I would imagine that he would excel in a contact sports such as football. <clears throat> Zach Knight looking for the razor's edge, uh, shades of razor Ramon Scott Hall, but Cruz gets out of the way, gets out at get out of the way at the last moment, and drops Zach Knight by kicking uh, his legs out from under him. John Cruz is putting his feet on Zach in the corner and choking him with his feet and slowing down the pace of the match for the moment. Zach with a rebound off of the second rope. He hits uh, John with in the mush off the uh, rebound forearm by Zach. Both men are down. Commentary keeps referring to John Cruz as his last name, Cruz, but keeps referring to Zack Knight as his full name, Zack Knight. Wouldn't it save you time and wouldn't it <clears throat> just be more logistic in the in the flow of your sentence, especially as fast as as fast paced environment like professional wrestling, just to call both men by their last names, especially Especially if you're in a uh, about to correct yourself mid-sentence, uh, there's not two Zacks in the ring. And I spelled two wrong for some reason, but that's fine. <clears throat> Knight with a beautiful moonsault, and he gets a two count and the first cover of the night and the first cover of this match. Only a two count on Cruz. Senton by John Cruz uh, only gets a two count on Zack Knight. Uh, Knight did a finishing move I've never seen before. Uh, some suplex, then a powerbomb, and then a big boot. <clears throat> All within the time span of about 7.9 seconds. Uh, putting Cruz down for the three. Well, it looks like that I used the three twice here. It says putting Cruz down for a three and a half out of five stars <laughs> that's not what I meant to say but yeah three and a half out of five stars <clears throat> the crowd goes wild seeing Zach win they advertise uh, for <clears throat> for this year August 25th 2024 Wembley Stadium last year they set a record 84,000 plus people in attendance but what will but what really ruffles my feathers is the fact that they're not calling it the correct event name. I don't know why. I 
Oh, okay. All in London. Call it all in five or all in six, whatever continue continuation of a number uh, that they can slap on into, if any. It would uh, further rub salt in the wound of any other wrestling wrestling promotions who are looking forward to future WrestleManias, such as WrestleMania 41, or 42, or 43, or 44, and then so on and so forth. A Super Bowl goes by numbers, and uh, the Khan family are also in the NFL. <clears throat> um, they should know that it makes it more prestigious event knowing that you're at an event that they've heard at an event of their fourth or fifth anniversary Tony Nice gets on the microphone and uh, starts to make his entrance and uh, he comes out to poke fun at the residents of Charlotte, North Carolina and that they have, t he's he's letting them have it, you know, he's, he's pouring it on thick for them, telling them that they have terrible taste in music, uh, that they have a terrible taste in, in uh, food. Yeah, cheer wine is disgusting. I've never tried cheer wine, but uh, apparently someone on commentary, I think it was Ricka, Ricka Bonnie, Ricka Tony, whatever his name is. Um, <clears throat> Ian Ricka Bonnie, I think he said his name was. He said, um, uh, I like cheer wine. <laughs> because, uh, of course he would. And C Caprice, I think, is the other guy on commentary. He said, of course you would, Ricka Rickabani. Keep wanting to call him Rick Tony and I don't know why. Because I guess I'm just making fun of anything now, you know, including fucking the pasta you get at Pizza Hut. Not sponsored, by the way. There's your cheap pop Pizza Hut. By the way, here's another cheap pop for those of you wondering. Uh, che cheer wine is disgusting, so there's your cheap pop cheer wine, whatever the fuck that that is. And apparently Bojangles is disgusting. And in doing so, apparently, according to commentary, he made fun of the, um... Uh, Tony Nice here makes fun of the, um... Coliseum that they're in. I wouldn't call it a Coliseum, but... Uh, apparently it's... The Bojangles Coliseum is the name of it. And it's in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina. It could just be the Bojangles Arena, for all I know. Maybe I misheard Arena as Coliseum, which goes to show you how much that I know, but I'm pretty sure it's the Bojangles Coliseum. He says Bojangles is disgusting. Uh, every time they hear something that they like, they start cheering, you know, like... Like I expect you guys to do whenever I give you a cheap pop, you know. And there's your cheap pop, by the way, Bojangles. Um, whenever I do that, it the the reaction that I'm hoping to encephalate from you, my audience, is that oh man, I really like that. You know, I like KFC. 
thank you. There, there's your cheap pop KFC, by the way, just so we're on the same page here. That's what I do whenever I say that there's your cheap pop, you know, and just, just like, hey, New York City, there's your cheap pop, New York City, you know, if you're from New York City, congratulations, I just, oh, he said the name, he said the name of the place, ah, oh, shut up, <clears throat> anyway, every time that they say, they hear something that they like, much like I would want to incentivize all of you to do, they start cheering, does the audience um, in the crowd. And then every time that they start cheering, uh, Tony Nese on, commentary, or on uh, the microphone, he ends up saying, you would cheer that. You would cheer that. Yeah, but you boo me, Tony Nese, the premier athlete. You know, he's just fluffing his own resume at this point, much like I like to fluff my own resume. But by the way, if you guys are enjoying this podcast, maybe you want to give me a five-star review. And for that matter, if you're, if you're enjoying yourself so far, you made it this far, you know, go ahead and tell me how you feel. And tell me how you really feel. I mean, I want to know about it. Um, also, I'm selling merchandise. For those of you who don't know, I haven't plugged the merchandise in a while. It's been forever ago simply because i i don't know i don't know about the merchandise you know i haven't really updated any of the um any of the merchandise there's 190 um at least 170 but somewhere between 150 and 170 designs so if you like designs that definitely weren't made by ai they were made by handcrafted by the way thank you so much go Go get you some merchandise, some gut wrench podcast merchandise, and then whenever you're, you know, you're out and about, and then someone's like, "Hey, it's a nice shirt. You should be like, exactly, exactly, sir," and then just walk away. They would, they would wonder. Anyway, <clears throat> before the code of honor, which is a um, fancy way of saying uh, that they're going to shake hands before the match begins. Yeah, so uh, Ring of Honor is somewhat different. In the fact that they have this um, code, and it's called the Code of Honor. You would, usually the referee wants you to shake hands. Much like in a UFC fight, wherever they ask you if you want to touch gloves, then do so now. And then, you know, you'll touch gloves of your opponent. You know, it's just a sign of respect. It's the Code of Honor. Most of the time, though, as far as I can see here, Code of Honor doesn't get respected much at all, except for one match. But we'll get to that match. Uh, before the Code of Honor, uh, which is a fancy way of saying that they're just going to shake hands, uh, before the match begins as, as a show of sportsmanship, I should... I should, you could, you say, before that happens, okay? However, the announcer uh, finally tells us uh, who Tony Nese is facing... Uh, this evening, Marcus Cross. Shut the fuck up, Chance. Uh, start uh, toward the uh, rather 20,000 people. How? So they just came, he just came out. So did Tony Nice. He just came out. He started talking shit about like, you know, Sprite, Cheerwine. Um, what else did he say? He said something about like Bojangles, Bojangles Coliseum, Bojangles Arena, whatever it's called. Um, and all of a sudden, He's got these 20,000-plus people, according to Riccoboni, Ian Riccoboni, on commentary, um, chanting, shut the fuck up at you. <clears throat> and I put down a note here that says, uh, <clears throat> you know, if 20,000 people, or more people, 
are chanting in unison, shut the fuck up, you manage to piss off an entire crowd of individuals, and all because you don't like Bojangles. <clears throat> Tony Nese taking control of this match, uh, keeping Marcus Cross in the corner, uh, starting to wear him down. You suck, Nice. Chance start from the crowd and commentary is wondering what is with the disrespect of Bojangles. Uh, also, Bojangles sponsors the building, which is what I was saying earlier. See, they had mentioned it at the beginning, but whenever they had mentioned it here, I decided that it was a good idea to write it down. Uh, Bojangles sponsors this building, so why would they? Why would they pour disrespect all over Bojangles' name? You know, it just doesn't make much sense. A beautiful slingshot. Uh, uh, hang on. Uh, also, Bojangle sponsors this building. They are uh, renting for this evening. Uh, way to go, Tony. <laughs> Can you imagine? You know, you're sponsored by M&M's or something, and then you're like, yeah, I hate M&M's. This thing suck. By the way, there's your cheap pop M&M's, just in case you're wondering. I don't eat M&M's, by the way, and I'm not Democratic or Republican. And um, I'm not gay either. Stop spreading rumors. Fake news. Not that there's anything wrong with that, you know, because if you're if you're gay or, or bilingual or bisexual, then that's that's great news for you. I swear one time I met this guy and he told me that um, it was almost like he had crawled out of Steven Spielberg's closet or um, uh, Steven Seagal's. Did I say locker room last time? No, I said garage. Did I say garage? Did I say basement? Yes, basement. Got to keep the funny gags going during the podcast. Otherwise, you know, you just get bored. I mean, I don't get bored, but everyone here seems to get bored. Are you bored? Okay, I didn't think so. See, he's just shaking his head no. <clears throat> Beautiful slingshot by Tony Nice. On my notes here, it says Tony Elise. Wow. Uh, from, from the inside of the ring to the outside of the ring. Uh, from the ring apron onto the floor. So, basically, from the ring apron onto the outside of the floor. Everybody knows where that's at. Uh, running into the ring and clotheslining Marcus Cross. Except, on my notes here, because I'm using text-to-speech, it says... Then running into the room and close lining Marcus Cross. So running into the ring, I just have to fill in the gaps. <clears throat> uh, Tony goes for a springboard moonsault, but missed. Uh, only eats canvas. In the process, Marcus Cross then starts to take advantage of the situation while Tony is on the ground, uh, picking him up and putting him in the uh in the corner and chopping him in the chest. And as I've just discussed before, the chops usually go something like this. And I just hurt my hand, but that's neither here nor there. I mean, I didn't really hurt my hand, but I mean, it, it somewhat feels as though that there was fire put around it. <clears throat> If only I would have had someone's chest to do that off of, you know, just a big bumping right in the solar plexus. You know, that's where it's meant to be. 
after a rally back and forth, a rally between both Tony Nese and Cross. Uh, Cross hits Tony with a beautiful backspring elbow, uh, putting Tony Nese on the ground. Uh, points of creativity to Tony Nese. He wins uh, with what I would call a fast three count, but maybe the referee was just at the right spot at the right time. Uh, pump handle slam, if I could... If I had to call that move, he performed anything. I would call it a pump handle slam bomb because it's somewhat of a sit down power bomb, somewhat of a pump handle slam. Four out of five stars, another beautiful contest by both individuals. <clears throat> now we go to another contest that is scheduled for one fall uh, ladies and gentlemen because one of these contests they keep telling us about is scheduled for actually two falls if that makes sense and don't worry it will because it's two out of three falls count match um it's a two out of three falls count match is what i mean to say world tv championship is on the line as champion kyle fletcher faces off against Angelico? Angelico. I think that that's it. <clears throat> He's the winner of five of his last six uh, of his matches. The only man... The only man to last at least ten minutes with any Eddie Kingston in uh, Honor Club. Uh, last night in Honor Club defeated former Ring of Honor champion Christopher Daniels. According to commentary, these are all things that Anahilico uh, can add to his resume and why he's been given this opportunity tonight for the World Television Championship against Kyle Fletcher. And now we've talked about both Kyle Fletcher and Anahilico before, but um, one small thing that we've only talked about is both of them in tag team competition. I can't say for sure that I've ever talked about Kyle Fletcher or Anahilico in um, Angelico. That's got to be his name, Angelico. Yep. Anyway, I can't say that I've talked about Angelico or uh, Kyle Fletcher before in one-on-one -on -one action. Usually they're tag team wrestlers. Kyle Fletcher, of course, representing the Don Callis family, and Angelico, of course, um, representing Spanish announce team, I think. Uh, Spanish announce something. <clears throat> it looks as though early on that Angelico is uh, playing with the champion by avoiding every wrist lock, every headlock that Kyle Fletcher uh, is going for. Uh, the champion looks frustrated early on. I had to watch it multiple times. And it looks as though that he almost lost his cool and decided to drop Angelico on his head. <clears throat> but he called it, he caught him midair and softened the blow. So he goes for what looks to be some sort of uh, Irish whip and then he almost like 
loses his shit like halfway through and then just like, I don't care if I break your neck. And then afterwards he very gently drops him. You know, he's like, and now I do care if I drop you on your neck, you know. Uh, mocking Angelico uh, by doing the, the dance that to the ring. So Angelico, Angelico came out doing this this dance and whenever he's he's doing it that i don't know they didn't really give it a it might have been something from like fortnite for all i know i've never really played fortnite but there's your cheap pop fortnite by the way uh <clears throat> very uh somewhat dis disrespectful behavior by uh, kyle fletcher but one could argue that it was disrespectful behavior to be in a wrestling match uh doing uh, dancing in the first place, so Angelico could very well be at a, you know, he could have been the person who was doing the disrespecting to begin with. Yeah, but at the same time, it looks at, look at it from the uh, champion's point of view, the guy uh, who's given this opportunity by winning eight of his last ten matches, and upon doing so, he starts dancing and uh, almost acting like uh, making light of the situation, uh, if you are a champion in a wrestling match, you would figure that you would be, uh, have the time to take this seriously. I've seen both of these men, uh, compete before in AEW, and most of them been, uh, in tag team wrestling matches that I've seen, uh, it's good to see them on one-on-one, -on -one, uh, competition because i haven't seen that in a while sorry about that <clears throat> sorry about that my cat was uh, meowing at me so i decided to go take care of that really fast uh integuri by fletcher uh integuri by fletcher to Angelico uh, really putting Fletcher on his back and uh, really making him rethink his uh, game plan. <clears throat> A move like that can really uh, fuck with your equilibrium, your balance, and uh, your sense of direction. Because by the time that he does it to... Uh, <clears throat> by the time that Angelico... Angelico, rather, uh, does it to uh, Fletcher. He's really stunned and he's almost like looking for the ropes and he's on his on his back just staring up at the lights. So, I mean, Integuri, uh, bicycle kick, a Pele kick, moves like that really really put the pressure on the opponent especially because you're hitting them right in that frontal lobe right in that temple uh, area Kyle Fletcher gets caught with an inside cradle a small package combination a small pinning combination with a near fall we almost see a new champion in Angelico <clears throat> Uh-oh. 
Angelico gets uh, to get Fletcher uh, outside. Uh, Kyle Fletcher tries to uh, run at Angelico, and uh, Fletcher gets his legs kicked out from underneath him. Uh, and then he face plants into the uh, ring apron and uh, falls flat on his face, making making a fool, making a fool rather a fool, you know, like a j a joke out of the Ring of Honor Television Champion Angelico with a sunset flip powerbomb pin pinning combination with a bridge which is stuff like that that you don't see anymore um <clears throat> just like the last match with tony niece doing the pump handle slam a uh, set down powerbomb combination you don't see that every day or well, when you do what goes in for the uh oh, okay i don't know why it says what goes for a diving cutter and hits it what Goes for a diving cutter and hits it. Oh my god. There needs to be some sort of quality control with these fucking notes. I'm pretty sure it's, um... It's an... Okay. It only gets a two count on Angelico, so it must have been Kyle Fletcher that went for the diving cutter. Uh, Angelico goes for a, uh, Manhattan Cradle. He only gets a very close two count, a near fall, uh, that I mentioned earlier, the Manhattan Cradle, a very, uh, close two count. We almost see a new champion, uh, a half dragon suplex by Kyle Fletcher, uh, possibly trying to disorient, uh, Angelico and he gets it flush. Because Angelico can barely stand on his own two feet after receiving the half-dragon suplex. <clears throat> Kyle Fletcher with a modified power driver. He, and he gets the three count and the win. I gave it a five out of five stars. This match was a roller coaster of emotions. My God. It was good and uh, really quite different from your typical uh, wrestling match. These two told a story, and it was a great story. I didn't know who to cheer for. Kyle Fletcher ret retains his championship, and for that matter, restores honor to the, um, the Don Callis family, which is the, <clears throat> which is the, um, I mean, that's that's just who he's representing as far as his stables go. We get an interview uh, segment with a woman named Lexi. I did not catch her last name, uh, but she was told that the person that she was supposed to interview, Dalton Castle, would be in the basement. When the camera pans... Uh, to see her she doesn't know where he's at though so she starts calling his name and he starts mumbling I'm here um <clears throat> she finishes she finds him um she starts asking him questions indirect questions like 
you haven't been yourself lately. Uh, he starts to take offense to the questions and he starts to, he starts, she is uh, asking her questions at, starts to ask questions of his own like, what do you mean I haven't been myself as of late? He starts to make a, he starts to make full segments full statements and uh, further allegations to the fact that he hasn't gotten any sleep since the last pay-per-view final battle because of Johnny TV because of Johnny TV he can't concentrate on anything and then he goes on to say that he talked to his boss and the board of directors and they said if he, that he can have a rematch, but Dalton doesn't think that Johnny TV will agree. Because there was one stipulation to that rematch clause that I mentioned about Johnny TV and Dalton Castle. And it was that Dalton Castle had to get Johnny TV to agree to a rematch. But then Dalton Castle has an idea. He starts pointing at Lexi, which, by the way, I never got her last name, but we'll get to that soon. I mean, this entire episode of Ring of Honor, we're not going to get her last name, I don't think. But what I mean is, let's say that I look at Ring of Honor again, I'll probably get her last name. <laughs> anyway, um... Lexi, I'm sorry, Dalton Castle starts saying something along the lines of haven't been myself as of late and that's because of that jerk jo Johnny Castle, Dalton, I'm sorry, <laughs> Johnny TV. <clears throat> He's the one who put me in this situation or whatever else and then he starts uh, asking, he starts asking, um, Lexi, if she would maybe go ask Johnny TV for a rematch for um, him because he likes you, Lexi. He likes you. He doesn't like me. You know, if I go and ask him for a rematch, he's obviously going to say no. But he starts buttering up the interviewer in question, Lexi. I didn't catch her last name. Uh, starts saying he likes you, please. The interview in question uh, starts to ask. The interviewer in question starts to ask him. He was, oh yeah. It starts to say stuff like, maybe if you went to Johnny TV and you had a mature conversation with him. Which, by the way, that's impossible to have a mature conversation with this man. And we'll find that out later. But anyway, maybe if you went to Johnny TV and you had a mature conversation with him. Um, I'm sure that he would understand, but Dalton Castle was predictably uh, going to ask Johnny TV for him. Was pr practically begging her to ask Johnny TV. My fault. <clears throat> 
we get a wrestling match after that segment called, well, from a tag team match, uh, the Righteous, Dutch and Vincent versus Dave and Zane, the, the, the Dawsons, my fault. On commentary, they call themselves twins. They call the Dawsons twin brothers, but other than their matching uniforms, um, they're matching figures. Yeah, it's pretty easy to tell these two tell these two apart because one has hair and the other one has no hair. One has a thick beard and mustache combination, and the other one practically has uh has practically as much facial hair as the last. Sidewalk slam to end this match, uh, making quick work of the Dawson twins. I would say that uh, more of this happened, more happened, and honestly, more did happen. Uh, I wouldn't give, but shortly after looking at some highlights and writing down, uh, commentary refuses to tell me uh, more than uh, maybe a handful of times, including the introductions, which one is which is the Dawson brothers. I said earlier, uh, I can tell them apart. However, um, have a face to a name, despite them calling themselves twins, them being the furthest thing from twins, I don't see which one is Dave and which one is Zane. And it's not because they're twins, it's simply because commentary refuses to tell me which one is which. Like Dawson brother going for an elbow. Dawson brother going for a, a side slam. You know, like that's great. And maybe there's a few times where they're like, yeah, that's Dave Dawson. And then he's saying that's Dave Dawson, but both of them's in the ring. You know, like it's two out of five stars. <clears throat> Lee Moriarty said, uh, two out of three falls, that means we get paid three times. Lexi, the interviewer, which I mentioned earlier, said, I don't think that's how that works. So, we'll get to that in just a moment, but basically, there's a two out of three falls match that will take place later on tonight. And um, the infiltry, which is the... Uh, one half of the tag teams that will participate in said match. Well, one of their participants, Lee Moriarty, said that two out of three falls, that means we get paid three times. Now we go on to yet another tag team match as the boys versus the Iron Savages. One of the boys got motorboated by a man uh, named Beefcake and a move that is uh, aptly referenced as Titty City. A very Beefcake... Okay. A very hairy man that goes by the name of Beefcake 
pulled down his straps of his singlet and rubs another man's face in his chest. His very hairy chest. And he calls it Titty City. Bronson, uh, taking control of Brent now. I'm starting to get the names. Up until now, it's around the second half of the tag team match. And I still haven't gotten anyone's name. Of course, I've seen the boys before. But are actually twins. Unlike the uh, last set of alleged twins that we've seen. <clears throat> and I couldn't tell from Iron Savages. Because I haven't been introduced to them. Um... <clears throat> To being with another group named the Iron Savages. It doesn't make much sense, but that's what I put on my notes. Couldn't tell anyone from the Iron Savages because I haven't been introduced to them. Oh, okay. Other than the group being named Iron Savages. Okay. I don't know anyone from the group is what I'm trying to say, I guess. Um, you know, the... Um, and I just mentioned that I know who the boys are because we've been introduced to them before. Uh, Titty City chant by the crowd. They seem to be enjoying themselves. Uh, we get a sliced bread by one of the boys. Only a two count. Savages suck chants by the crowd. Uh, beefcake uh, with the boys. And he just plants the both of them. And he gets the both of them in the center of the ring. And what an impressive feat of strength, because both of them probably weigh um, 350 to 400 pounds, collectively. And this boy named Beefcake just picks them both up like they're nothing. Then tags out to Bronson. Um, they pin the boys and win. Two and a half out of five stars. Uh, this was entertaining on many different levels. Um, something that I forgot to mention, really didn't mention, because it's not really integral part of the story. There seems to be an unknown substance in a cup, uh, commentary keeps, uh, referring to as unleaded gasoline and chocolate, uh, despite the man who is holding said container being clear across the other side of the ring and commentary is clear across the table on the other side of the ring they can still smell whatever is in that cup that they keep talking about almost distracting them from the wrestling match that's happening in front of them uh talking about how strange that it is or how strange that it smells how strong that it is <clears throat> Something that I forgot to say early on in this episode um, is that we are on YouTube now. I forgot to say that and I meant to um, open <clears throat> I meant to open with that so that we could uh, maybe have a little bit of a celebration and if you don't follow me on YouTube, that's fine. I, I'm not looking forward to having so many subscribers that I don't know what to do with. Or, for that matter, that I, I can't deal with. 
so much oh my god popularity it just drives me ra rapid rampant up the fucking wall i mean did you see what happened to britney spears was it britney spears didn't she shave her head or something um <clears throat> nonetheless what i mean to say is i don't want to be so popular and so cool you know A small part of me wants to be popular, wants to be cool. A small part of me wants to be rich, you know, and it'd be great, you know. If I could be rich, oh, you remember that song? Well, I don't. Anyway, what I mean to say is um, our next match is Serpentico versus Cole Carter. Yes, we are on YouTube now. That is right, ladies and gentlemen. I have foregone the podcast audience, and it's going to cost me $50 a month. Fifty. $50 a month to be on YouTube, <clears throat> according to this website that I'm on. <coughs> because I tried doing it myself, and it didn't work. Nothing that I tried worked. Uh, they start here has to do with, oh, okay, the story here has to do with Maria. I can't really formulate what exact what exactly the story is that has to do with the relationship of Cole Carter, Cole Carter and Maria. I know for sure because I hear commentary talking about it and it makes it relevant to this matchup, but we are that we are seeing here a back elbow into a beautiful suicide dive through the ropes by Serpentigo. Um, allow me to say that again. Serpentigo versus Cole Carter. Uh, beautiful suicide dive through the ropes by Serpentico. Um, Cole Carter with a drop kick on... A drop kick on... Serpentico and uh, really keeping Serpentico down on the mat and the crowd is starting to boo him. Flatliner by Serpentico. Um, and these two, and he gets a two count rather on Cole Carter. Uh, Cole Carter with a spine buster on Serpentico, uh, really chopping him down to size. Uh, only gets a two count off of the uh, spine buster. Serpentico with a jumping cutter. And he only gets a two count as well. Uh, Carter with... And I didn't give this one a rating. Yeah, I should have probably gave that one a rating. Two out of five stars. Interview spot with... Uh, Taya Valkyrie and Johnny TV with that woman that we mentioned earlier, uh, Lexi. Johnny TV was asked uh, he if he was going to accept Dalton Castle's challenge. He said no and started to laugh almost like hilariously uh, saying how Dalton Castle is not, quote, TV ready uh, because Johnny TV is like John Stamos. And do you think John Stamos would do a sitcom with one of those goobers from the Duck Dynasty? If Johnny, if Dalton Castle had a TV show, it would be called Not Ready. Get it? Because he's he's not ready. 
Johnny TV says. <clears throat> and um, him and uh, Taya Valkyrie start going back and forth. And Taya realizes something. This television championship, this wo woman's television championship tournament that's going on right now over in Ring of Honor and AEW. She starts to realize that TV... Oh my god, Taya Valkyrie. And then she's like, oh my god, it's it's my destiny. Because my name is literally TV, Taya Valkyrie. She starts to connect the dots almost like it's her destiny to become the TV champion. Because her initials are literally Taya Valkyrie. <clears throat> the following is a Four Corners survival match. I have no clue what that means, but I figured out what that means. It's apparently just a fancy way of saying Fatal 4-Way. As Lady Frost versus Trish Adora versus Queen Amanama versus Diamante. Now, I know for sure that I've talked about two of these ladies before. Trish Adora, who I've seen on the... Um, They've got this, uh, article in the wrestling magazine, and in one of the wrestling magazines that I have, it's People to Watch, and Trish Adora was one of the people to watch, because, of course, she was in the Olympics, I'm not sure which country that she, um, represented, I want to say West Ghana, Africa, um, but, um, she was in the Olympics, and she garnered a lot of attention because of being in the Olympics for, I want to say, track. It wasn't wrestling. That's, that's what I know. I'm almost certain that she won, like, a silver medal in track. But she came, like, so close to being gold medal or something like that. Uh, we get a strength test from Trish Adora and uh, Queen Amanama. Uh, Lady Frost and Diamante were thrown outside. Diamante comes into the ring and pins both women. And Lady Frost uh, breaks it up. Lady Frost with a senton onto Trish Adora and only gets a two count off of the hook of the leg uh, looking for a pin. Diamante hits the crossroads and gets... Hit with a backbreaker by Trisha Dora. Everyone on the ground at this point and the crowd are making a lot of noise. Uh, Queen Amanama wins by a coup de gras, clear rip off of Finn Balor. She does the coup de gras, she hits the one, the two, the three, and she wins the match. And I give it two out of five stars. Wasn't that entertaining? Not a lot happened, and for a four corners match, it was pretty disappointing. And if I like, if people, you're gonna have to start building stars. You know, I can't keep doing this podcast. Like a lot of you probably don't know who Queen Amanara is. They probably don't know who Diamante is. You know, and. You're wrestling fans and you feel this desire to want to know who they are so that you can build a 
and formulate a relationship with them that you can almost like, hey, I know who that is. I, I watched them grow. I've watched them flourish. And for that matter, it's it's good to once in a while see someone that you can call a role model, that you've seen blossom, if you will. No disrespect to the Powerpuff Girls. <coughs> They say this win could put her in title contention. I think the champion at this time is Athena. And I was proven right. Because later on we get a message from Athena. Our uh, Ring of Honor Women's World Champion. Josh Woods is making his television uh, return as Josh Woods faces LeBron Kozo. Uh, trading blows back and forth. Uh, we seem to be at a stalemate until Josh gets gets him off gets him on the ground and release German suplex and starts to take control. Afterwards he pins him. Uh, yeah, Woods hits the GYT it's an acronym. It's similar to the GTS. So of course, a lot of people uh, think that the GTS was um, actually CM Punk's original maneuver, original uh, finishing maneuver. But in fact, it was done first by a man known as Hideo Itami. <clears throat> Okay, the GYT stands for Grit Your Teeth. Uh, GTS stands for Go to Sleep. Hideo Itami was his name. He was also in Ring of Honor for a short time. Was a really quick match, uh, but not very successful at doing any sort of uh, entertaining storytelling. It was a squash that Josh Woods would end up just taking the win, and I gave it one out of five stars. Robin Renegade with a... Oh, okay. Robin, Robin Renegade versus Taya Valkyrie. Robin Renegade with a drop kick uh, onto Taya and uh, only knocking her for a loop and making her... Go to the corner. Uh, Taya goes for what? For a pin. Only to get a two count on Robin. Taya hits her finisher. Or her finishing maneuver. But apparently it's called the shin. It's called the Shania Pain. I'm so sorry for that brief. I'm so sorry for that brief uh, silence. I was trying to read my notes here. Apparently, it's called the Shania Shania Pain, rather, and uh, she knocks her opponent down and gets the three count, two out of five stars. It wasn't very well executed. Uh, not much happened. Uh, it was a match that was a little disappointed, a little disappointing. But it works. I guess it has to work. 
Billy Stark, in an interview that uh, mentioned early, with the interviewer that I mentioned earlier, Lexi, uh, they were talking about uh, the Ring of Honor Women's Championship uh, tournament, and Stark says that she's going to put her foot up someone's ass uh, if they have anything to say about her. <clears throat> Are you talking about the TV championship? There's a vac that's vacant at the moment, but. If they are talking about the world championship, uh, then Billy Stark will have to go up against and face off against Athena, which I think has already happened. Uh, judging by the fact that Athena is still the champion, I would say that Billy Stark already ran her course. However, this, um, this right here, this episode could have taken place before um, the final battle pay-per-view. However, Billy Stark fails to mention who her opponent's going to be. And if that's the case, then that leads me to believe, if I'm a detective and doing some detective work and some finagating, I don't know what I just said there, some finagating, um, I can assume that Billy Stark is talking about the television championship, simply because it is vacant at this moment, and they are looking for the next TV champion, the next women's, or the first women's TV champion is what I should say. And if that's the case, then Billy Stark might be in contention for the TV championship. Brittany Jade and Emily Hale versus Layla Hirsch and Rachel Ellery. Uh, Hirsch tags... Hirsch tags out after putting her opponent, Emily Hale, on the ground and making her lose her balance. Then Hale uh, tags out to her partner, Brittany Jade. Jade, looking for a sunset flip, only gets a two count on Rachel. Uh, Rachel, with a gut-wrench slam onto Jade and tags in Hirsch, and Hirsch tags out and em to Emily Ellery with a three count and the win. For Rachel Ellery and Layla Hirsch are your winners. Two out of five stars. As we go to our next contest, as Jack Cartwheel versus Slim J versus Blake Christian versus Gravity. Gravity and Slim J get dumped to the uh, outside of the ring by Cartwheel and Blake Christian. To start things off, uh, Jack Cartwheel just showing off. So, this man's whole gimmick is that he knows how to do a cartwheel. And that's fine and all, but he does an abundance of cartwheels. And that's literally his last name. And you know like the LeBron's, the LeBron logo, wherever it shows like, on the Jordans? Oh my god, did I, I just made a racism. You know how on the Jordans they make like on the I'm so sorry. Like it shows someone's silhouette on the Jordans on the shoe, the logo. Well, Jack Cartwheel has something similar in his name whenever it shows up on the screen graphic cuz there's like him doing, I guess, it's supposed to be his silhouette doing a cartwheel. 
Gravity gets back in the ring and starts uh, to get Jack Cartwheel in some offensive maneuver like a wrist lock and a few other moves that are hard to explain on paper, like an arm drag. Uh, <clears throat> Blake kicks Gravity and Slim J at the same time, knocking them both down. Uh, Blake Christian with a suicide dive, and he hits it, catches Cartwheel on his way down, and does a move called the inverted DDT. Slim J with a modified sliced bread on Blake Christian. Blake Christian with a handspring headstand. Uh, bouncing back off the Irish whip and a beautiful right hand with uh, Blake Christian hitting Slim J right in the mush. Jake Cartwheel. Oh my God. His name is Jack Cartwheel. My fault. Uh, comes into the ring. Um... With some uh, backwards spinning cartwheels in the corner, hitting both, oh, uh, to both uh, Christian and Slim J. Gravity comes in with a springboard for the second off the second rope. <clears throat> he only gets a two count off the pin. Gravity with a cover only gets a two count on Christian. Thanks to Jack Cartwheel breaking up the pin. Slim J uh, with a sliced bread cutter combination only gets a two count. Uh, Gravity gets a two count off of the pin of Slim J. Blake Christian puts Slim J into the Texas Cloverleaf in the middle of the ring and makes him tap four out of five stars. That was heavy in action and a beautiful contest for all four individuals involved. Truly a sight to behold or watch. <clears throat> There's a promo of some sort uh, showing Athena who is giving an, us an update on her condition. Uh, saying how she is a uh, little... She feels a little bad for letting the ROH down. Uh, leaving them high and dry. Her words, not mine. <clears throat> but lately, she's had a broken pinky finger, a broken nose, and a broken toe. So, she's going through. She's going through that. Uh, she could use a little vacation. When she's done talking, there's a big lady who says, Surprise, bitch. And, um... Gives her some rough treatment. She even goes through a door between the ring and the barricade beside the ring. She puts a door. It's almost like. And it's not even like one of those two by four doors. You know, it's it's like one of those thick doors that you can hear slam whenever you shut them. It's like one of those doors. <clears throat> Nyla Rose was the big girl in question. I didn't know who it was, so I waited for commentary to tell me. And it didn't look like Nyla Rose, but I've only seen Nyla Rose a few times, so... She didn't look familiar, is what I'm trying to say. We go to our co-main event as, um... 
Christopher Daniels versus Lee Johnson. Big shoddy Lee Johnson. Daniels uh, shakes Johnson's hand. Fallen Angels chants uh, referring to uh, his Impact Wrestling days. That's where I knew him uh, frequently at was uh, Impact Wrestling. Christopher Daniels was, of course, the Fallen Angel. <clears throat> and also, he also did a brief stint where he played someone who had come out in a almost like a jumpsuit of sort. And on the jumpsuit, it had words like spicy and, and stuff like that. And uh, he played a... <sighs> He played a man named Curry Man. Lee Johnson off the drop kick. He missed uh, off the Irish whip. Uh, Lee Johnson with a standing switch after the lockup and puts Christopher Daniels, the fallen angel, in the corner. And shortly after, uh, Irish, uh, shortly before, uh, whips him twice. So you can see can do two back body drops huh he Irish whips him twice so he can do two back body drops okay whatever um Christopher Daniels ducks Lee Johnson's uh rally uh, Johnson on top on the top rope, uh, looking for perhaps a crossbody and getting nothing. But he eats the mat and he lands a gut wrench, gut buster. Uh, only gets a near fall. Lee Johnson kicks out. Christopher Daniels uh, with an elbow from the top rope, only gets a near fall, a two count on Johnson. Uh, Lee Johnson hits the uh, Blue Thunder Bomb for a two count uh, on Christopher Daniels. Christopher Daniels uh, hits what looks to be a Falcon Arrow and goes for a pinning combination but only gets a two count. Then proceeds to argue with the referee. Daniels uh, went for a Uranagi and Lee Johnson counters getting Daniels in the corner. Uh... Chopping the veteran, Christopher Daniels hits the wing, hits the Angels' wings for the three count and the win. This co-main event. And now we go to our main event, <clears throat> which is Charlie Bravo and Charlotte. Sean Dean versus Shane Taylor and Lee Moriarty. Charlie Bravo and Sean Dean uh, taking out uh, Taylor and uh, Lee dumping them to the outside. Flatliner only gets them a two count uh, after fighting the uh, first half of the match under Tornado Tag Team Rules. They finally get to their corners, so, and we find out that this match, even though it's two out of three falls, uh, it's really just a two out of three falls match 
of singles match. So it will not be contested under um, Tornado Tag Team rules is what I was trying to say here. I don't know why I put that. Uh, Sean Dean tags out to Charlie Bravo and putting Lee Moriarty on his back uh, really starting to wear him down. Uh, Dean tags out to Bravo and he does an elbow drop from the second rope uh, to Lee and only gets a two count. Uh, the guy on the outside, Shane Taylor, uh, starting to stir. Right now, he you could count to 100, and it looks like he's staying down uh, since Dean and Bravo took him out over on the ring apron. And Shane Taylor showing up, uh, showing some signs of life, starting to stir on the outside. As I'm putting these notes down, <clears throat> I started to count him out, and he started to show up. Second, gotta get to a more comfortable position. <clears throat> and uh, Shane Taylor uh, on the outside throws Bravo toward the barricade, starts to give him a taste of his own medicine. Shane Taylor gives Bravo the first uh, pin. And he gets his team up one fall. One to zero. Shane Taylor Promotions is up by one fall. Closable, close line by Shane Taylor knocking Bravo uh, on his back. <clears throat> Only gets a two count. Sean Dean uh, gets the hot tag. And in doing so, so does Shane Taylor. A tag out to Lee Moriarty. And Sean Dean... Um, Starts cleaning house for the second rally. He got momentum swinging in his favor. Uh, we see a great tag team, a great tag team match as Dean gets the frog splash. He gets the three count, and now it's one one. Shane Taylor Promotions and uh, the Infantry have tied. <clears throat> As we go on to, and that's why they call it a two out of three falls match, basically, is in case both contenders out of, you know, three possible falls, in case both teams end up tying, like here we're at a stalemate, they're both up one point. <clears throat> if that's the case, then there's got to be a third fall. Almost like the World Series, except... I guess you got to win four games in order to win the World Series. Because it makes sense. If you win uh, four out of seven, then there's no possible way that the other team can actually... Like, the other team, all that they can win is three because there's only seven matches in total. So there's no point in continuing the World Series. And I don't know why it's contested under seven, you know, like, I guess for consistency reasons, that would be a good thing. But imagine if WrestleMania, you had to come back for a possible seven days just to see, 
you know, just to see if you was, if your favorite wrestler was going to lose their championship. I mean, it's already a two-day event, which I think is bullshit, honestly. I don't know what to make heads or tails of whenever I hear, uh, WrestleMania is a two-day event. Then I'm like, okay, that's stupid. Like, WrestleMania Access, which is like the weekend or the two weeks leading up to WrestleMania, I understand why that is a week-long, if not a two-week-long event, because you get to talk to your favorite wrestlers, you get to talk to your favorite superstars you get a maybe like interact and take pictures and you know maybe even do what I'm doing right now you know if I could get Alexa Bliss on my podcast I would do that you know I would be like hey Lexi you care if I interview you really fast you know uh and then I would have some interesting some hard-hitting questions for her because I wouldn't want to just show up with no balls deep questions, you know, because that would just be weak. That'd be weak shit. And I don't want to give you guys any sort of weak shit. Anyway, on to the match. <clears throat> Dean gets the frog splash and he gets a three count, tying this session at 1-1. Uh, Shane Taylor gets a German suplex, only gets a two count. In doing so, both men fall to their knees, crumbling. A uh, Lee Moriarty, both men, of course, I'm talking about Shane Taylor and, um, Sean Dean, Lee Morty already perhaps looking for the finish, uh, looking to finish this match with some big boots in the corner, and looks for a bulldog, but Sean Dean catches him and puts a stop to the bulldog, turning it into a backbreaker. Charlie Bravo tags in, uh, starts trading blows with Shane Taylor, and sends Bravo to the Irish Whip. He hits Bravo crossover and he hits and he gets a pin. Uh, only gets a near fall and a two count. Moriarty tags out Shane Taylor and pins Sean Dean for the win. Shane Taylor pins Sean Dean for the win. This match really wasn't that entertaining. Uh, not a lot of hot spots. Uh, not very uh, many low spots either. And seems as though that the infantry uh, come, came in with a game plan, but that game plan uh, shortly fell apart. Uh, this match really wasn't what I would call a main event uh, match, but it did what it set out to do. And I give it three out of five stars. Thank you all so much for joining me. Thank you all so much for joining me. My name is Mocha. This has probably not been the most entertaining episode of the Gut Wrench Podcast, but nonetheless, it is the first episode of the Gut Wrench Podcast that will be 
I should say the latest episode that will be up on YouTube. You heard me correctly. We will be up on YouTube. And even though I sound like I've been in Steven Spielberg's basement sucking some dick. Wait, is that what they do in Steven Spielberg's basement? Thank you all so much for joining me. I've been Mocha. This has been the Gut Wrench Podcast. Good night. Bang. That's a wrap.